When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Well, another AD hiring has come and gone, and I didn't get the call. But that's okay, folks. Let's get behind this new AD. And if you need any help, uh, Mr. Moose, I'm just uh, one call away. All right. And with Mac. Sorry, Redcasters. I don't have a hot take tonight because Ohio State took all my hot takes all over Memorial Stadium. That embarrassing <laughs> game. Uh, welcome back, Mac. Yeah, we missed you last week. And I'm also with Boomer. Well, Redcasters, if you were upset about the uh, – Football season so far, no worries. The Columbus Dispatch came out with their uh, Big Ten basketball previews, and Nebraska's finished to pick 13th, just ahead of Rutgers, so we have that to look forward to. But I hear they look great in practice, so that that's going to solve There's some NFL scouts there. They were really savoring over it, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah all they, right, guys. Did good well, in the Manning well, uh Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Left speechless uh, with the exhibit of football that was displayed at Memorial Stadium on Saturday night. The Huskers did not put up any resistance at all against the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, giving up eight straight touchdowns, I believe. And, uh, yeah, you know, we usually run through offensive-defensive breakdowns, and it's we'll, we'll, we'll do that, but I think it's going to be about a two-minute segment because there's not a lot to say everybody saw what we saw it was not pretty uh mac you want to just vent for a little while yeah i mean this was a fun game to watch for no time at (laughs) all i mean have you ever seen a game where we were so completely overwhelmed immediately consistently throughout the entire performance i mean no shred of hope at any point any time there was no shred of from hope the, at any point. From the point. beginning, it was just a laid-down effort at a mind-boggling time of the year when, you know, it's already on the line. You know, things, you know, jobs are being threatened, I would think. And that was before this game. And you, nobody expected you to win, but my God, that was, that was embarrassing. You're at home. You know, and it was just, it was just another one of those... Seemingly all too frequent scenes of uh, Husker players not playing with the heart that, you know, we'll talk about this later, you know, the Nebraska way that it's just, it's frustrating. It's super, super frustrating. And it was a, just a fully on display Saturday night. It was gross. And it happened on a weekend where four top 10 teams lost uh, to unranked teams, uh, so clearly it's possible. There's enough parity in this this college football landscape to have upsets of this nature, and we sure did not act like we even entertained 
the thought the week prior to this game. Honk, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to echo a lot of what Mac just said there and and a little bit of what you were just talking about there too, Dave. On Friday night, I had some friends come in and we were watching uh, three and three unranked Syracuse hosting Clemson. And I believe Syrac- uh, Syracuse's coach is he's either the first or second year guy. I'm not sure. He's in his first or second year. And of course, they make the upset. After that game, Cal three and three unranked hosting top ten Washington State, and they either have the first or second year coach. I can't remember at this point. My brain's so fried from the weekend. But the point is, these guys that are had less time at their respective schools than what Riley's even had here, and they can at least pull off an upset. And even if they didn't pull off the upset, what if they would have just kept it close? The point is, they played, and they're building something. Like, yeah, they were competitive. Right now, I don't want to hear another thing from somebody about talent or about recruiting or the recruits that we have on this team that are coming next year because that's not important right now, to be honest with you. it's It's not. We're not building anything right now. This isn't a building process. The people there yeah. are like... I mean, Dino Babbers is the Syracuse guy. He might be building something there. Sure. Uh, Justin Wilcox was defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. He's the head coach at Cal, and he pulls that off in his first year, and right? This is, um, this is this kind of performance, to Mac's point, in, you know, having been at the game, you know, the stadium wasn't wildly crazy beforehand, but to go from... <laughs> It took two minutes for that crowd to just be like, oh, okay. And, and there was nothing. The, at no point in this game did we ever even, you know, remotely show like we, we had a chance to, to come back or make it a game or anything. So without even getting into the X's and O's that we can talk about in a little bit, it was just completely underperforming. Yeah. And so, you know, we get a new AD the next day. <laughs> I can't imagine another team yep. being less competitive than we were. I'm like, who could they have beat worse? Like any team in in, in Division uh, One, yeah. yeah, certainly not a Power could've, Five school could have put I mean, up maybe, as much fight as yeah. we did. That was ridiculous, you know. So yeah, you're right, Matt. It's not talent. You know, Ohio State doesn't put doesn't hang that on everybody. Certainly shouldn't hang it on a on a Power Five team like Nebraska. That was absurd. In their own conference, lots of familiarity home. there. Boomer, yeah, you were jumping in there. Oh no, just uh, commenting, you know. Just echo what everyone else said. I, I was also at the game, a little cold. Um, just like uh, Honky said, the fans just at no point in that game were given anything to cheer about. There was the most exciting cheers were not throwing a pick six on our first drive. There was you know mocking <laughs> comments on that. And finally, when we got our second first down somewhere in the second quarter, I think that was when most people let their balloons go because why the hell not? What else? When else were you going to? Yeah, do they that? had no hope actually no, was, that yeah. that it was going to be released anytime soon. No, they were like this is no, and and that's and that's one of the big challenges with this that we're seeing with this program right now. And you know, it was a lot like in some ways it was you know very reminiscent of 2007 Oklahoma State when lots of people cleared out at halftime. And didn't come back. Same thing here. Uh, the weird thing is, and maybe the you know discomforting thing is that game was still kind of a shock when that happened. When you get blown off by Oklahoma State in '07, no one saw that coming. And this game, everyone did. I don't think anyone was surprised by what happened. Everyone was just kind of resigned to it and apathetic. Yeah, and that's, I, I don't that's, think anybody expected us uh, to win, and the point spread was 24, 25 points. So. Sure, but it's the way way the loss goes down, right? right? And you can lose by 24 points in a lot of different ways. Right. And, and it was the non-competitive nature that was... It wasn't shocking, I guess. It no. was the most disappointing about part about the loss was the non-competitive 
nature of this team. They yeah. did not even put up a fight. And and I would say there were a lot of fans that left, and I stuck around. I kind of moved around the east side of the stadium to get out of the wind and just see where all I could sneak into without security stopping me. And there were quite a few fans that actually stuck around to the end, and there were quite a few that were still cheering, you know, even into that second half. We'd score a touchdown, there were still fans standing cheering, even a decent amount of students still there. So that is, you know, something I do like to see, those fans that still still there, still cheering, still trying anyway. And what we don't yeah, want to see. Yeah, I know it's lost in, in some of this is that, you know, you actually saw like J.D. Spielman set a Nebraska record for yards yeah. caught in the game, right? I mean, Tanner Lee actually played, you know, better. I mean, not really when it mattered, all right? They didn't convert anything in the first half, but he, he didn't um, – he, he wasn't the, the worst issue on, on the team Saturday night. Um, but that's all for not. Well, and what we don't want to see is the the reports that uh, uh, Husker fans after the game they're heckling Riley, and you know that's the kind of stuff. Let's stay a little bit classier than that. And and one thing about Coach Riley, whether you're happy or not with the results right now, this guy's he has been nothing but class towards the program. He's been a good face all through this, and and I mean I I don't have good feelings at all towards him sticking around here much longer than another month. But, but that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, do anything that that's, that's less than classy with him. He's been a class act the whole time. Uh, yeah, there probably won't sure. be any audio leaking of uh, Riley at uh, North star yeah. or anything like that. I would imagine. So yeah, there's really no need for, for muzzling. And, he, and, and Riley yeah. understands that too. He, he's been around long enough to know, his win loss record is not going to cut it. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It won't be a, like a bow tantrum thing. If he gets canned, his record will be the reason. You know, so it's fair. Mm-hmm. Yep, bo, I mean, right. you know, that's Bo right. at least had the argument that always hung nine up. You know, Riley can't even say that. And now we're and now we're not yeah. competitive and not hanging nine up a year. Barf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so to wrap this up uh, uh, a little bit here with with Riley and his coaching staff and and maybe namely uh, Bob Diaco do you feel like in the post game interviews they're almost to hockey's point of you know Riley staying the course he's acting like he's in this for the long haul he's still saying all the right things maybe it's almost too too much of the right things too much cliche of saying hey you know I still see improvement and whatnot I mean would you almost be more refreshing for him to say man I'm just I mean that was just awful right you know I mean Diaco I mean how, how can you even justify that defensive performance couldn't they just own up to it and say hey boy we had a game plan to try to protect our secondary because we had a bunch of young guys there and you know what guys it, it, it didn't work at all it looked worse than even expected I'm sorry you know but no they don't even say that I think part of it is they're just trying to keep from throwing players under the bus, you know, because mm-hmm. they don't want to fall back on, you know, these guys can't yeah. execute or there's a talent gap or anything like that. They're not saying that. You know, we all know there there really isn't huge progress or easily correctable things on film that we can fix from this game. I mean, this was just a, you know, curb stomping. There's nothing you can do to prevent this or, you know, correct it easily. So I, I, that's that's what I think they're trying to do with these. Maybe we all know it's fake, what they're saying after the game, but what do you expect them to say, really? You know, I, I don't uh, understand that the general lack of competitiveness in this team and really this staff since it's been here. You know, it's been a very even keel but not a fiery sideline. We don't seem overly competitive. 
and this team particularly doesn't. But you know, I don't. I looking back at Riley's uh, Oregon State teams, those teams were tenacious when they were good. You know, when they had a good team, they yeah. were aggressive and they played hard and they were they were competitive. And it's frustrating to me that he can't cultivate that same kind of uh, culture here. With with which you would like to think is better talent. So I don't know. The whole thing is confusing to me. I just I'm, we've gone so backwards, yeah. so backwards, and so fast. It's so uninspiring. Totally. Too. Like, I, I've I've heard people talk about our offense. I've talked about it this way. Where it's just it's so unimaginative. It's so uncreative. It's and and at no point does it look like you know are you even trying to to you know, just try something, you know, I've heard Lamar Jackson struggling at corner, throw him at wide receiver, right. do whatever. Yeah, I mean, my gosh, what, what do you have to lose right now? So, so not that I'm trying to give one more chance to this team here, but I'll say this is a grand opportunity for them to have a bye week. We're here. We hear about how beat up they are. Then get healthy here, prepare to play a Purdue team that you sure as heck can't sit here and say you can't talent wise, you know, meet up with and play an inspired right. game next time. You're going to be playing at six thirty at night at, at Purdue play inspired. But if any, if we've seen anything out of this this team and this staff this year, is, is that you know we won't see that inspired game. We may win it. We may win a you know an ugly twenty to seventeen game or something. But there's nothing going to be inspiring coming out of it. Nothing that that would lead you to think that we're building on anything. When is the last time this team came out in the first half of a game and really played well at the start? Took a took a nice lead. Did anything that. Kept a game going in the first half. That yeah. didn't Northwestern last year. For the, the other team. Hmm. Well, because we've yeah, had some nice that. starts that last year. end in yeah. points for the other team, and then yeah. that just Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern a year ago, where we came out right away, ran down the field on them, and everything. That's that's probably the the last time I can think of where we just really started a game off sharp and and uh, yeah, I don't know. It looked good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. You know, I mean, it's funny, just talking about upsets, I mean, the Michigan State game, you know, in Riley's first year, that's an intriguing, I mean, that that's what you could have hoped to see last Saturday night, right? Just an absolute miracle upset against a, a top 10 team, and just, it, yeah. I don't know what's the difference between this, this team and Riley's first year team. That team also struggled immensely. Uh, but that night they sure came out and believed in themselves. This team last Saturday did not believe in themselves. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys, next on the show, we're uh, going to discuss the state of the program, uh, which is very pertinent at this time as we have a new athletic director uh, at the helm in Lincoln. Uh, Bill Moose will be starting those duties next Monday, I believe. Uh, we saw a press conference on Sunday afternoon with uh, Ronnie Green introducing Bill. Uh, interesting hire, uh, one that was out of left field, as in left field is the Pacific Northwest again, and also uh, another um, experienced uh, hire, let's put it that way. Uh, Bill's been an AD for better part of two decades, including the last seven years at Washington State and uh, a few years off in between working on his ranch. He was the Oregon AD uh, for most of the uh, mid-90s and into the 2000s. 66 years old uh, with just a wealth of experience. No one expected this. Uh, we were trying to speculate 
on the hire beforehand. We were throwing out every possible name, and I think we had a good list of, of names out there, and not even the the guys in the know had Bill Moose on, on the you list. You know, it's too bad I wasn't on that show, because uh, he was actually on my list. I had him in my top three, but, you know, oh, that's all right. Of course. You know. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that uh, the McGuire's Max uh, top drawer of his desk, yeah. he has Moose. His, uh, 80 hires yeah. is right there. Well, he took the key with and, him to work so he couldn't right. get in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Well, um, well, guys, what do you what do you think? I just gave you kind of the bio. Uh, sounds like, a, you know, an interesting f- fit. Definitely yeah. someone who might be able to uh, be a, you know, someone who's going to, pat the backs and handshake and uh, talk to the ranchers and maybe drink a beer and tell a story, maybe Bob Devaney-esque in that way, uh, but also with a lot of experience. He's a football guy, uh, played football at Washington State. Really, Honky, you kept on saying when we had the AD fire show, we needed to hire a football guy. And I'm like, well, that's hard to find this day and age. Well, I think they actually found one, right? He's not a Nebraska guy, but he's a football guy. I I think first and foremost – before we even talk about the guy himself, the process that happened, I really like. This is the first time, honestly, since Solich has been fired in the Peterson, all that era, this is the first time from a leadership standpoint what, what Hank Bounds and Ronnie Green are doing from from the top down. I really appreciate the process that they went through. I, I, I believe in this leadership, and this was a, a organized, timely, well-done search what they said they wanted to do and achieve, they were able to do it. They did it in the kind of the time frame they talked about. It wasn't a kind of a crap show, so to speak, of you know forty days of you know Peterson when he was looking for a guy like Callahan, or or it's not Perlman going off and just hiring Eichhorst by himself and not talking to anybody. You know Osborne was involved with this, but didn't have to make the call. But he, at least he was involved. Remington, they hire him in to be an interim to just to kind of you know you know, kind of tread the waters during the, the couple of weeks that they were in the middle he of said this. all the right things though, right? Yeah. I mean, they just did all the right things. And then at the end, they ended up with somebody that genuinely speaking, I think people are, are saying that that was a good hire for what they're looking for right now. So I, 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 I don't know a Do whole lot he, about Bill yeah. Moose, Moose, but, but I, I do know that. The, Especially how to pronounce took, his last name. Well, I'm right. figuring it out. But what it took to get him here, I, I'm completely impressed with. Do you think he was our first choice? I mean, it's speculation. We don't know behind the scenes. But since he was on nobody's radar, do you think he was? They our said he was their top candidate, first choice from the beginning. Yeah, they I said after they after started. they had done the process, and I and I, I like what you said too, Matt or Honky. The uh, I liked how they they sat down and they had like that group of twenty, you know, former players, former coaches, current coaches. And probably Osborne was in that group too. And they pulled and kind of gathered ideas on what you were actually looking for and want and you think would work here at Nebraska. So taking that and it kind of – it sounds like they build that profile from that and use that to find that guy. So hopefully and, – and, and they indicated that was their top choice then. So, you know, of course they're yeah. going to say he was easily third. But that's okay. You know, we still yeah, feel like... I mean, yeah, I'd love to know, and we'll never know right. probably, but who else potentially interviewed, yeah. right? Did Chris Del Conte, who got name thrown out and tweeted soon after the hire, congratulations, Bill, and did Danny White at UCF get interviewed? I, it'd be very interesting Was that ever know. real or was yeah. that I, just Scott Frost hope? 
There were lots of media folk that were implying he was the hire and, you know, hmm. were shocked by the by the moose pick and <laughs> quite a few I of them actually kind of come out and say I'd heard, you know, you know white what? among other names. Who, who cares, honestly, if anybody else, I'm sure there were other people that were, you know, there's a 1A, a 1B, a 1C, and who cares if the media picked it right or not? They've picked enough other things wrong, too, and as have we. Um, sure. So what they got at the end, though, they got somebody. You can tell it's somebody that they that they clearly they wanted. Uh, he signed his contract on Friday morning, the the day before the Ohio State debacle. So this wasn't just some, you know, oh, gosh, we lost, and now Ronnie Green's out there flying to get him. I mean, Ronnie Green went out after the game to get him, but – but it was somebody right. that had already signed the contract. And again, I like what our leadership is doing right now is that when you have a, a bad loss like Northern Illinois, they are pretty quick to respond. And, and you know they have the right people in their ears <laughs> you know, to begin with, the right boosters, the right people. They respond. Correct. And a, a week after Northern Illinois, one of the, one of the p- people that needed to be gone was gone. And the day after the Ohio State, debacle and you've got fans leaving at halftime like boomer said they they finished the weekend off with with some good news and that's that's good leadership they changed the narrative quite quickly they did that's great leadership and and i really that's one thing i want people to get behind here is that i i feel like the right changes are being made for the right reasons and that's that's different from 2003 that's a little different from even just three years ago where people were kind of fighting over like should we should we make a change? Should we not? This should be such an easy decision, to be honest with you, by the end of the year. We have five games left. Win all five of them, Riley. Honestly, win them all. If you win them all, you're not fired. You're not. You'll be 8-4 and four and you'll have beaten Penn State. It'll be an easy decision. Don't do it. Unfortunately, what I think we all kind of, you know, we're all kind of like we've been saying that the last two weeks and three weeks, just win games. Problem is, is if we're not getting better and if we're losing and if we end up in one of those historically bad years, then it's an easy decision. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I think the powers that be, you're talking about the boosters, et cetera, I, I think the powers that be have seen the writing on the wall for quite a while. I mean, you can say what you, you want, you know, and you're right. If Riley would have won the last seven games or the mm-hmm. last six or now the last five, he somehow could save his job because it's much harder to fire a, a 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four coach. That's never uh, stopped us before, Dave. I mean. Well, that's right. But it might stop it might stop us this time, I think. Is the oh, it definitely stopped us. Like, look, we fired Nine nine right. coaches be- would, before yeah. and it hasn't hasn't worked out well. Uh, but I, I I just I mean to be completely honest with you, I think the people in the know who have been in the ear of Hank Bounds and Ronnie Green and maybe themselves uh, are are with credible information are saying I don't see this team delivering that outcome. Let's start planning now for yep. what is the more likely outcome. And that has been the case for a month now. And I don't think that changes at all going forward. I don't agree, disagree with you, Honk, that if he wins the next five games, he could save his job. But we all probably agree here That's, as well that the odds of that happening is at 1% well, or worse. D- Dave, that if, if, he wins the next, if he wins the next five games, let, let's, let's, what has to happen compared to what's happened over the last 13 games? I've tweeted this out. We've gone 5-8. and eight over those last th- uh, 13 games. We've lost by a score of 320 to 137 during those th- during those 13 games. Yeah. We, that includes a loss at home to a Mac school. Okay, so can we win the next five games? Sure. Anything can happen, but I, you almost got to get to a point where it's like you got to just say that's probably not going to happen. 
and w- what we need to do is start planning for that not happening. But the, the we get a lot of this so, on, on social media right now, Dave. We get a lot of we need to stay the course, stay the course. The course is 5-18 and 18 over the last 13 games. The course is 18-15, and 15, I think, overall is his record. And the course is getting worse as time is going on here. We're losing bigger and worse and being less competitive as we're yeah. getting deeper into the system. Sure. Yeah, I completely understand the folks that are like, God, if we – have to reboot again. It's just and and the reputation of us firing coaches so quickly. I mean that's damaging to the program. We we stay with Riley and he's recruiting well and somehow it's going to turn around. At some point, those folks have to look at the product on the field and and really ask themselves, what are you seeing on the field that tells you that that's going in the right direction? Uh, sure, we're, we don't have as much talent as Ohio State, but our recruiting classes actually are better than Wisconsin. And we sure didn't look competitive against them in the second half either. So uh, there's there's a long ways to go to, to to prove that they could stay the course and actually see a course correction, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Well, and Mac, you missed the last show, but on that, you know, we were talking about the coaching carousel, and that's a thing that you know a lot of people are coming up with now. Mike Bellotti yesterday was on the radio talking about, oh, who would want to go to Nebraska because they fired X number of coaches in a row. Oh, give me a break. Every this has happened at so many other schools and we could go down such a long yeah, list it's I not even worth going voice. down, but the Bamas and Oklahomas and so on, they've all been in these positions where you, the way you stop a coaching carousel is by hiring the right guy. The question that we asked on the last show was if Riley's the right guy, if or if he wasn't, you know, if he was, he would start winning pretty soon, right? That's what that's what the right guy would be. He's not the right guy. Yeah. He's just not. He's a nice guy, he's a good guy. Treat him with respect, fans. But he's not the guy that's going to end the coaching carousel, unfortunately. Yeah, there's always that fine line between have we given it enough time, or are we, are we seeing what we're going to get here for the next, you know, foreseeable right. future? And that's and that's tricky because there are examples of guys who, who just after that next year really turn the corner when you never would have thought they may have. Um, so then you have to kind of make predictions based on what your other things you're seeing, and is it is it a continuous problem of being competitive on the field? You can look at talent, sure. You know the talent. I see on less talented teams compete harder regularly. So and and that part bugs me a lot. You know, so the talent thing that would that would make up for our lack of championships, but it wouldn't make up for losing to Northern Illinois. You know, it. it so so it's not flying with me. Now, mm-hmm. I know he's got some new recruits in here, and he's got some of his guys coming in. But you know what? We've seen a few of his guys, the, the four-star guys, and they're not yeah. impressing me. I mean, is, is Lamar Jackson blowing the, your mind with his play? Is Tyshawn Lindsey just killing it as a freshman, you know, Big Ten freshman of the year? There's no, He's not even in contention, and he was our biggest recruit. He's not doing anything. So I don't know, man. It's, is it? Have we been sold magic beans, or are we just are we not seeing the big picture just yet? I mean, like we said at the beginning of the season, lots of things we liked, felt like things were in place, no excuses. Well, are, is this are we reaping what we're sowing here, or are we not? Have we not given enough time? I don't know. It feels like we've given it enough time. I think a coach you can you can have a bad season and come back if you've given things to that program before that gives you reasons for hope. You know, D'Antonio sure. at Michigan State's coming off a three and nine season. Uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame's coming off four and eight. But those are also guys that have been 
to national title games with that school before or been to the playoff with it, you know, you build up a little bit of that credibility and, and you can, you know, maybe make it through one of those years. Now, I know one of the biggest issues Mac and I have talked about, and I really agree with him on this, what we don't want to see and what I don't even think is necessary is I don't think this needs to be a reboot. You can make some significant firings. You can, we can, we may need some, well, we need new leadership at the top. But that doesn't mean that maybe every assistant has to go, for one. I mean, that's happened in the past when Callahan's fire, you know, class sure. or coaches were fired. Watson and uh, Gilmore stuck around. Or on top of that, some of the, the worst things that like Peterson and Eichhorst did when they got rid of Solich and when they got rid of Pelini is they cleared house of everything from coaches to, to, to administrative assistants in the back end, you know, in the – that's the kind of right. stuff like we don't need to be doing that right now. There's a lot of good things that have gone on over the last three years. Let's pick the best things, keep the best things from it. And, sure, and the, the recruiting powerhouse, right, the social media, yeah. all the stuff, I mean, that, that doesn't need to go at all. I mean, I, I, a lot of those guys are Riley guys, but, I mean, the, the whole system yes, per se when, definitely When you reboot stay. 100% of everything, yeah, that's going to take longer to, to, to come back from. But I think we all agree that there's some. I, I, I I'm biased because he's Nebraska, but I love Perella. I don't want to see him going anywhere. Perella's a guy who sure. stay you know? for sure. It makes sense to keep him too. Yeah. So before we dive deep into uh, the the coaching talk, uh, bring it back a little bit to to Bill Moose uh, and the the program culture. McGuire, Mac, you you mentioned earlier the Nebraska way. Sometimes we hear that all the time. Uh, it's really hard to define what that is, uh, but it sure seems like we've lost our way. And uh, and there's been a lot of mistakes in hiring and and admin and coaches. Uh, what does that mean to to you guys when when hockey says the Nebraska way, Boomer? What does that? How does that resonate with you? The Nebraska way. What does it mean? Yeah. The honest truth, winning. Yeah. Winning is yeah. what it is. I mean, we hear all the talk. You know, I, you know, people say the Nebraska way. You know, one of the things we've heard a lot of people that want to see, like, hire less miles to come here is that, you know, he does things in the Nebraska way, you know, lining up, playing tough defense, and running the ball and all that. Well, great, sure, but, you know, does that mean it's going to work here? No. You know, was the Nebraska way in the 70s, lining up, running the ball, smash mouth kind of football? I mean, it was pro style. It was a pro style. I mean, it wasn't triple option by any sense of the imagination. You know, we we talk about the you know the eighties. We you know great program, but you know we lost a lot of bowl games. Then I suppose is that what we want to go back to as a Nebraska way? No, uh, the Nebraska way is winning and looking decent in losses. I think is probably ultimately if we were doing that, I think people would embrace just about anything that we bring. Always in, competitive. Yeah, just being competitive. Physical. Yeah, and winning a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think any uh, just about any fan base will embrace that. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Mac, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that winning is winning is always the bottom line. That's always that's obvious. Um, we'd embrace any kind of style that won, but I think what we would identify as Nebraskans probably more so would be certainly a physical nature to the style of play. You know, so even in the maybe where the score isn't particularly competitive. You know the opponent. I always, I always thought it was cool when the opponent talked about how much it hurt the next day. 
after you played Nebraska. You know, yeah. you could tell. And you win or loss, that was kind of something I think, you know, that Midwestern mentality likes to hang their hat on. It's like, well, you know, we really stuck it in there and gave it our all. And I like that too, you know. And, and when you get really good players thinking that way, you know, you win championships. So, I don't know. Yeah, but winning, winning. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm hearing you. I, I I totally and the winning is the bottom line. But I think the the run the ball first mentality, we we probably would have more patience as a fan base than a pass first mentality. Honky, your thoughts in the Nebraska way? Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm not hearing a lot of others talking about it on radio or wherever. You hear it getting t- thrown out all the time, and I don't think anyone knows what it means because it means something different to everybody else. And then we and someone says I want it to be the Nebraska way and it's well what does it mean? I think it reflects the state. I mean we're hard working. We're an underdog. We're a small state to begin with. The smallest populated state in the Power Fives for 50 years and yet we won the most games during that time. It doesn't make sense. We're pancake blocks. We're you know, we're the black shirts. You know, that's and one other thing we are is we're relevant. That that's what the Nebraska way is. Right now we're not relevant. Good point. You know, what I don't what here's what Nebraska or here's what Nebraska way is not about. It's not about a style of football in terms of option football. It's not triple option. That's not what the Nebraska way is. Both of you guys said I think the P word physical. It's a physical style of play. And I think you can do that under any kinds of X's and O's. I don't want to define the X's and O's for the next coach. But if you're not the most physical team out there, if you're not hardworking and and and, and if there's not, you know, what we do is we get the best kids from this area and we always will sprinkle in some, some stud players from all across the country on top of that. That's, that's nothing new from, from 50 years ago under Devaney till today. Okay. But you know, it's, it's a, it's a team that the state can kind of identify behind. I, I still think of growing up. It's, it's the small towns closing down shop when they, they come down to Lincoln because one kid on it's a walk on or a scholarship or whatever, but those, the, you know, they, they're either at the stadium or they're at the, the local pub watching the game on TV. I mean, that's that's the Nebraska way to me. That's Nebraska football. And so if we run triple option, awesome. If we don't, awesome. But physical football and, and, uh, and you know, just be a hardworking group, that's, that's what we want to see. We don't want to ever see a team quit. And if that, that team doesn't quit, those fans won't quit on them either. Well said there. I think that's a it's a good point. Uh, maybe one of the reasons we uh, had so many people leave that game on Saturday. So what does that mean? We've already kind of outlined the Mike Riley era as likely coming to a close. I, I, there's a sliver out there, 1% or less, of if he could win all five games or somehow he saves his job. But we all, all probably agree that's highly unlikely at this point. And Bill Moose is going to have uh, a, a firing to, to get done and a hiring that largely will define his success here. And I think that's interesting in the sense that he's 66. If he had a younger AD hire, he, that AD, his tenure would be tied to the success of the coach. And that would really impact... You know how do you how do you make that decision? Because well, geez, I, I want to be an AD for the next twenty years, and if I get this wrong, I'm gone. Well, Bill Bill Moose really doesn't have that concern because he probably is only going to be an AD for four or five more years. He's not going to be here forever. He's really here to stabilize that athletic department and maybe 
groom some successors if, if that's really successful. But he's either going to get the hire right and everything is going to be just fine. Who cares who the next AD is? Or he's going to get it wrong and he's going to be out in four years and retire anyway. So um, what do you think uh, the process will be ultimately first off with Bill Moose and, and potentially making this this decision? And and what will he be looking for in, in the head coach? Honky? Well, I guess if it's anything consistent with what we've been seeing so far, I think it's, it's a process where it's not just going to be on Bill Moose to make this decision. I think he's going to – That's fair. He, it's going to be a collaborative effort. You'll be talking with, with, with all kinds of people. You'll be talking with Remington. You'll be talking with, with people that will be able to, to give some advice on what, what they think is important. And, uh, and I think you know the next five weeks what he's going to be doing is assessing the program as a whole, assessing assistant coaches – you know, when Osborne was basically brought in at the same time in 07, he was able, by the end of the year, you know, he, he laid down. First off, he supported Callahan up front and said, if you can win these games, you're all right. Um, if you're not, then, you know, we know what's going to happen. Well, I think right now Moose can be doing the same thing with Riley. At the same time, when Pelini was hired under, under Osborne, Osborne knew the situation well enough where he could sit there and say, I think it will be beneficial for you if, if maybe you retain a coach or two. In that case, the, the recruiting coordinator, Gilmore, the offensive coordinator, um, Watson. You know, it seemed like some of those things were in place, and you don't have to do it, but this is my recommendation to you coming in. There can be situations like that going on in a couple of months too. So um, this is not obviously wasted time here these next, these next five games, regardless of what happens on the field in that regard. So I think it's taking a good assessment and then – getting a lot of feedback from people and, and going out there and, and doing what it has to be done. All right. Uh, Boomer, do uh, you think the hiring process will be as, as efficient as this AD process went? And in, as clandestine? I mean, it, no, no one knew of... I mean, nobody's ever officially you know offered a job until they accept it you know very very rarely does this stuff leak out you know unlike it did during the peterson trying to beg houston nut or whoever it was to come here oh you my know, god things like that. so as long as we can avoid that sort of debacle and if the ad search is any clue i mean this will be a really quiet won't know it until it happens kind of thing i imagine as well i think you know we've said it i think all of us expect riley to be gone this year you know the way it is and you're not going to make any offers. You're not speaking directly to a coach. You're not interviewing anybody mid-season. I mean, let's be honest with that, too. You might be talking to agents. You might be talking to things like that. But I, I seriously doubt we're going to see any, you know, flights from Central Florida coming up this way, you know, just for a random <laughs> Tuesday, just a quick jet in, jet out kind of thing. That's probably not going to happen. So I, right. I hope, you know, if we can, you know, like Honky says, if the process works and what we expect, they have their candidates lined up so they can make moves quickly. Because I imagine there are going to be some very large jobs and attractive jobs open. Same time ours will be. I imagine Tennessee That's... is going to be an opening, and they'll probably they've got money to spend. A fan base that wants to win, a lot of talent to draw on. You know, hundred thousand seat stadium they fill. That's going to be a fairly attractive job, I think, as well. So we'll have to watch for that too. So if they have coaches, they have their eye on. They probably want to move on them fairly quickly. So yeah, it should be a competitive landscape. You know. It's fair to say, Mac. I know you're probably the least excited to have this conversation. I think of all of us, uh, you wanted to see the Riley regime work. 
Uh, and that's not saying that we didn't either, but I mean, you were very apprehensive about having to go through an, another coaching search like this again. Uh, your, your thoughts on on how how painful this may be, or, or or how excited you may get if the right coach is hired? Yeah, I mean, I'm just with our track record of hiring. I, this just doesn't thrill me at all. I mean, I feel like it's such a setback in so many ways. Barring just the perfect guy, it almost guarantees another crappy year next year to me. Now, we could all wax poetic about how that could go another way, and coaches in the past have done this and that. And that's all very likely, you know, that's all true. Those are all true points. But how likely is it, you know? And, and short of Scott Frost, seriously, short of Scott Frost, I don't even know who is, like, I, I don't know how they're going to do any of this. Well, I, I think that's an interesting take, Mac, in the sense that, and we can dive way, way into the, the Scott Frost talk here in a few moments, but is like, you know, w- w- what type of hire will it take to actually unify the fan base? Honky's talked about that a bit. Scott Frost. That's a real challenge. Uh, One without that wins. It being, well, yeah, well, that, that, let me clarify that point. Any coach that wins, and especially wins quickly, is going to unify Correct. the fan base. But the hire itself may not. No, be, right? for there sure. There might be a significant debate occurring if anybody else besides, and even Scott Frost could uh, uh, incur some of that. Uh, but many other coaches would have uh, strong opinions. Uh, people will have strong opinions on either side of that fence. But, you and know, I think that's a real challenge. There, there yeah. won't be – the thing about this time around, though, there won't be the we should keep Riley faction like there was with Bo. Well, hockey says there's already uh, somebody but, saying that, though, right? People are still saying stay yeah, the course. But, Matt, but I'm, uh, hockey, I believe you have a, a poll on this, yeah. didn't we? But listen, I'm telling well, you, we're not we're not – the the five and zero running out this season is so unlikely. What's more likely is we're in for two more beatdowns, probably. So after that, oh, at least you know, one, no doubt so about it. The, the, there's not going to be any state of course people after the end of this season. Yeah, the, there just won't and, be. So there'll be. So at least whoever comes in has that chance. All right, that's fair to say. You think that it's going to continue to track in a way that the st- state of the course yeah, people be will be off? Because what's will, Riley done? He's never even. You know, he's track. had one nine win season in a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, and and yep. this this is something. It's really important to talk about what what's happened over the last fifteen to twenty years at Nebraska is we have had a horrible case of timing with some bad decisions. And, Mac, where you're concerned about moving forward because we've had these bad decisions, I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm actually pretty excited right now because I see a leadership change in how we're doing this right now, how we did it from the AD mm-hmm. on down. But, I mean, let's go and let's quickly review the last 15 years. We, we could fire a 7-7 seven and seven Solich, but we don't. We wait a year until he goes 9-3 and three and brings in a new staff of ex-Huskers to fire him at 9-3 and three and completely clean house and completely reboot. And then, shockingly, we, we struggle for the next four years. When, when Bo Pelini goes 8-4 and four and takes his hat off and throws it at a ref as we're, losing to, or as, we're, as we're losing to Iowa and then goes into the press conference and says, fire me and throws a couple F-bombs out at the same time, we don't fire the 8-4 and four. Uh, Pelini. We wait a year until right. he goes nine and three, beats Iowa. We fire him. Our uh, uh, athletic director, in the process of firing him, says I had to uh, assess how bad Iowa was. So that ticks off our neighbor, who's now beat us the last two years. <laughs> you know, we've had this history of really great timing, and by the time you even hire the next guy, 
it, it, there's already a fraction in the fan base. So we've talked about the the need to unify. Some of this timing is if this goes down the way we think it is, and Mac, you just said it. You think there's a couple beatdowns? I'm not here. You're not wrong. <laughs> there's a very good chance that we're going to have odds a, are in that favor. We're going to have a yeah. sub 500 record, very likely. Not go to a bowl game, and that starts to make those stay the course people, uh, quite honestly, shut up. That's 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 what's going to make them do it. Sure. I mean, it, it's possible the next three games are where the stay the course people. I mean, if somehow you beat Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota. I mean, if you go two and one the next uh, couple, they'll say the course people may may have a little bit of traction until the Penn State and then potentially an you Iowa know, loss. Those people really, really are recruiting people. You know what I mean? Those are people who just don't want to blow up a recruiting class because that's the one thing that this coaching yeah. staff has been good at. But it's ridiculous and, if they're trying to. And, you know what I mean? And to say they're that good at it, Mac. I mean, yeah, it, are they good? What is that that class at right now? Thirtieth or so? Yeah. I mean. I mean, if this was a top five or ten class, I would, I guess I would well, give that. Yeah, some we've merit, we've got no momentum. Not. That's for sure, we were, and they're not. Yeah. We were and, 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 and it's already leveling out. People are already taking yeah. visits, and it this that ship sailed. I mean, yeah. the, I don't think Joshua Moore. Yeah. Joshua Moore's going to Alabama. Two months ago, we were worried about filling out at fifteen or yeah. sixteen kids too early, and 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 the other thing is, is at the beginning of the season. Riley was going to be up for you know another year extension, mm-hmm. and President Bounds said, "Let's hold off until December," and that was a that's a brilliant move by by Bounds. And guess what? In December, even let's just say in the craziest of things, that somehow we don't fire Riley. Is he going to get that extension in December? And if he doesn't yeah. get the extension, that affects your recruiting right there. Going six and six affects your recruiting. Well, the oh, Joshua Moore going period. to Alabama affects your recruiting. Recruiting's affected one point, way or Mac. the other. Yeah. So, but with the new yeah. coaching staff too, that that early signing period, that if there's a change to be made, that will make it difficult on the new coaching staff. Yep. A lot of those but, guys could know, be ti- off the table by the time they come back. But I'll tell you, with timing, the timing of, of if if we go bad, if it goes bad, if it goes the two or three more losses for sure, and definitely sub five hundred, that's the perfect time to bring somebody in. Because finally, we're not bringing someone in after a nine-win season. We're bringing oh, them totally. in with lower with lower expectations. We're bringing them in with this impossible schedule next year. Oh my gosh, at Michigan, at Ohio State, all all those games, right? So if that guy could come in next year and let's say go six and six after a losing record against a tough schedule, six and six looks awesome. Fans are actually excited. We're back in a bowl game after a season that that looked really difficult. That's actually the right timing to do this. Not wait a year. For you know, for just to get a further behind in it, we also have because of, of a really small uh, senior class this year. We actually have larger sophomore and junior classes. Meaning next year, the guys that are least likely to transfer, we actually would have more upperclassmen for a brand new coach to to take on. Which in year one will help kind of offset the fact that yeah, we'll have some effect to this one recruiting class. I tell you what, Matt. Read, what you should we've do. redshirted guys. We've got young dudes. I mean, the next year's class, if you can re-recruit those guys that are simply coming back, the guys that are currently on the team, next year's team isn't – you're not starting over with chopped liver. Honky, you should bullet point all of those and send them off to your top coach recruit, you know, candidates that you want, telling them, hey, guys, <laughs> I don't know this Nebraska not being a good job thing. The cupboard's not bare, you know. Send that well, down just, to old it, Frosty. And like, look, man, <laughs> timing's right. It's, well. Yeah, do you, do you, do we do we feel that the cupboard's not bare? Do we feel like the cupboard is is full enough 
or more so than what Riley took from Pelini? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like – talent-wise, no. I think we're totally fine talent-wise. You, you can create a, a bare cupboard by starting over from scratch. If you take an option team that wins 10 sure. games and, and you say we're going to become a, a sure. pro-style team, all of a sudden the cupboard's bare. I mean, it depends on how much change you want to do. But, uh, you know, Boomer men- mentioned a little earlier, we do have a Twitter, yeah, Twitter poll about this. Uh, and it was kind of cool. We had more than 500 votes on this one. And uh, it was with the new AD change. Uh, and if, when changes are coming, uh, what excites you the most? Is it Frost? Is it uh, Leach? Is it Chip Kelly? Or is it other? And uh, Frost, shockingly, 51% say Frost. <laughs> uh, Leach, only 9%. Chip Kelly, 26%. And other said 14%. And in that other were people saying, keep Riley. Uh, some saying wow. less miles. There's a, a Gary Patterson in there, but I think one of the things that was kind of interesting Craig about nobody got names, a Craig Bowl in there. I'm shocked. I don't. I didn't even throw a Craig Bowl in there. I, you know, would you be happy with a Craig Bowl? Would I be right now? Yes. No. no. Good man. No. I, All right. That's the would, right I, answer. I, I'll. He wants more. Well, and you know what? Fit becomes a big thing. It is. And 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 Leach as an example. Let, let let's give an example why why somebody isn't the right fit. Leach isn't the right fit, not because he wants to throw the ball around. I mean, that, that, might, be, that might be the one section of the, the fan base, but Leach belongs in Lubbock. He belongs in Pullman. That's what the, those are the places that he, be, that he yeah. belongs, kind of places that, where he can go to a, a post-practice and, and start reading out of a book, and that's, that's his, you know, his, his, his practice press conference. Okay? He doesn't want to go to a place where you know, we want to know <laughs> – who the second string right Everything. guard is, and we want to know that in March. You're going to be in that fishbowl, and, and, and Pullman and Lubbock and those places are not fishbowls. That's when, when we start talking about fit in that regard. That's kind of one of the things that I talk about. You know, it was interesting to hear Moose talk about hiring uh, Leach up there because I, I, thought, I thought it was kind of interesting that he, he, he tried to pull that one off, you know, Leach being such kind of – he was kind of a, you know, a hot topic then too, you know, with the whole uh, – what was his player abuse? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. It was Craig James' son, and yeah. But he talked about how what he enjoyed about him was how he was entertaining of himself, and how his fans would kind of enjoy the kind of football and the kind of personality he is, and that would allow them to build facilities around kind of this character. So it would play for a while. But I like that he kind of looked at it like that, like he understood. Hey, this could work. You know, this is this is this guy might just be perfect for this. So that lets me kind of know that yeah. he's he he is looking at fit. He is looking at timing. You know, and hopefully and he that's looks a, good a little indicator. bit outside the box. Exactly, right? Exactly. Because and he, this is the guy who uh, brought Phil Knight into the whole Oregon, uh, you know, booster community. He's the guy that actually put uh, Joey Harrington's picture up on yeah. Times Square for a Heisman campaign. I remember that. I mean, he did some pretty innovative stuff actually from that perspective to to reboot the Oregon program as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of the, the Phil Knight thing was, from what, what I understand of it, was just him wanting to keep control of the athletic department and not let Nike make so many choices, probably about uniforms and everything like that on a weekly basis. Yeah. So I don't have a problem about, with that. About the track yeah. coach, he, I believe. Well, he, br- and, and he brought Phil Knight into the mix, too. And the fact yeah. that... No, he did, And yeah. then Phil Knight later on congratulates him when he goes to Washington State, and they and they remain friends, or, you know, at least even afterwards but the point is i kind of like the fact that he was standing up to the big booster you know he, exactly he, sure it's it's not just and i'll tell you what he's got support from a lot of people he had support from bill Byrne. he has uh, support from greg Byrne, bill's son who's 
AD at this little school down in Tuscaloosa. Um, on our <laughs> Facebook channel, uh, Robert, he, uh, he asked us, who do you think the next coach is going to be? Will the AD pay for a coach to match the coaching level of the rest of the teams in the Big Ten? So I guess I'll throw that question out to you guys. Boomer, I'll give it to you first, is that do we have to pay at a level? I mean, do we need to get into that five, six, seven million? Is that what it takes? Or, or you know, is that, is that the only thing that's going to get us back there, I guess? Well, I don't know. If we want to pay $4.5 million like Kirk Ferentz is making, is that what we want for our program? I mean, do we have to pay that much for a head coach? Think about it like this. I Had mean, we, we can pay $9 million dollars and get the results they're getting out of, out of Harbaugh at Michigan. I mean. Yeah, the results yeah. results are the bottom line, right? It right. doesn't really matter if you pay the guy $2 million or But how or much are we going to be paying in coaching salary in, in, in a year from now? Now, maybe if we would have just got well, the granted, right guy yeah. and opened up the wall in the first place and just paid the one guy who would actually be here coaching here $8 million a year or whatever we are paying out, I, I could right. see an I, argument I don't, for that. I don't think money is, is the issue here at well, all. Well, but if you're, looking at, point, if you're looking at opening up a checkbook to try to entice, some, or entice somebody to come here, right. you know, I don't know. Well, just – Yeah, I, I just don't think that if, if the right paying. coach asks, asks a, a number – in the, I don't think. I mean, really, honestly, I think Harbaugh is at like nine million this year. Yes. Saban's at like seven, and then the next like four or five are in the five million range, and then you have the Ferentz, et cetera, in the four million range. I mean, if you're giving the guy five million, that's a top ten, probably a top seven salary. If you're in the in the fours, you're usually in the top fifteen, probably. So I don't think anywhere in that would be you're going to get a should get a top flight coach. If you're hiring someone like Frost, you probably don't even need to go that high unless you're trying to outbid Tennessee. If you are interested, if we're going off of a poll here, Chip Kelly, you probably do need to be in that level. Um, mm. But I, I don't think you're necessarily like needing to pay seven or nine million to get the guy you want. I mean, I think a competitive four million to five million range would is going to get you whoever you want, generally speaking, right? Well, and and if it's consistent with what we did with the AD. Um, you know, his salary is $1 million, which is basically what Eichhorst was, and that puts him in the top tier, I think it was number two even, of, of ADs nationally. But what I l- like about his uh, contract is there's a lot of incentives in there. So, I mean, granted, you're making $1 million to begin with, but there's 500000 in incentives, and half of those are based on football alone. And I think sure. putting some of that on, on whatever the coaching, you know, uh, contract would be is huge. As we learned today, uh, Nebraska is getting $51 million, the full Big Ten payout, uh, this year and so what is a program that's already profitable with great facilities it's just become that much more attractive we've jumped from 26 million to 51 million so th- those are the numbers of what we're increasing a year and i guess just a side note here uh nebraska is putting 10 million now into athletics of athletic generated money back into the academics they're giving 5 million alone to non-athletic scholarships and so that's the most of any big 10 school and it's among the highest nationally so Again, lots to be proud of. Lots of reasons that Nebraska is a very attractive program to yeah, be at. Yeah, I think that's absolutely that's an, that's an extraordinary uh, number there. I, I think you know it's interesting. You know, in terms of our fan base, we have really ha- have some divisions. But this time around, to Honky's point of you know, if Riley only goes, you know, five and seven or six and six, it, it's going to be an, an easier fire. I think the national uh, writers out there are are not surprised at this result. 
they thought the Riley hire was odd to begin with. Uh, there's some national writers in the press box this weekend. Ivan Mazel was in town wanting to write a story about like what's going on in Nebraska. This is crazy, right? Uh, I, I don't think the perception is like, oh, Nebraska, they shouldn't fire Riley. Oh, no, it's his, only his third year. They got to give him some time. They're all like, yeah, what, what are you guys doing with this guy? This is not the right fit, and you need to move on, and you need to find the right fit. Yep. Uh, I, I, don't, yeah. I think the national perception is actually more uh, positive towards Nebraska making a change than in any other time in, in the last 15 years, practically. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, you're right on that. Uh, you know, we always talk, you, you can't fire those nine-win coaches, but and all this constant coaching carousel would hurt the program, but there, there isn't anyone I don't think that watches this sport regularly that would say this is going well and say, my God, yeah. I shouldn't fire him. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Bilotti earlier, you know, talking Oregon, saying, well, we're firing yeah. so many coaches, this job is toxic. Well, I'll notice Oregon had no trouble firing a Helfrick after one losing season. And yeah, the guy took year. him to the national championship yeah. game, for God's yeah. sakes. And he has one year where they go four and whatever, and they they whack him. I mean, that they had no problem doing yeah. that. So yep. I don't think yeah. that screams coaching carousel at Oregon. Yeah, no, hey, or- just, yeah. yeah. Oregon, Oregon has a 3-4 defense for years and years and years until they – Hire Brady Hoke last year. Switch to the four three. Fire him. They're back to the three four against with Levitt. You know, yep, I mean, changes right. happen right. all the time. You know. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the the fit. Honky, you talk about the transition, and and if you're not going from triple option to to pro style or vice versa or whatever, the transition could be a lot easier. How do you see someone like Frost or or Chip Kelly's offense, which is should be very similar, mm-hmm. actually, from a talent and a personnel standpoint, transition from uh, Riley's right now? I think it all starts right at the beginning. It starts with the quarterback. And Mac and I have had this discussion offline before, and and we really like, I think, what we've seen a little bit of POB and a little bit of, of Jebbia. And they have enough athleticism that they could easily transition, I think, into – if it was Frost, I guess I'm going to focus on Frost's offense here. And sure, I'm going to I'm I uh, am going to do a breakdown of some of the videos of, of UCF. I I did their uh, East oh, Carolina that's game a nice last change. weekend. Uh, so. You kind of stirring the pot there a little Next, bit, bro. Well, oh. other, other it's about have, time. He's been so other people PC on all of this forever. State hey, other Husker people fans. have done the same Here's thing. Here's another and, team's offense all together. Well, I just I don't I don't know a whole lot about it yet, and so I just started watching a little bit of it. And it's oh, you know it's exclusively shotgun, and but but it's shotgun, and then they'll have some tight ends and fullbacks in the the shotgun formations that they'll get some big sets going. But it's it's predominantly run. I mean, my goodness, they've. Uh, I'm looking at it here. They average 39 runs a game to 28 passes, but they throw for 321 yards a game. They run for 225 yards. efficient offense. 547 yards of offense a game right now. They put their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. When they put their pants on, (laughs) they make hit records is what you're saying. (laughs) But, yeah. (laughs) But but to your point there, Dave, about, um, you know, how do you get started with it? I don't know that I look at Tanner Lee and just say, oh, he fits perfectly into that style. But I could see it immediately right. guys like P.O.B. and Jebbia being able to be mobile enough to run that style of spread offense. Yeah, you don't need to be a game-breaker at, at that QB position, but for at least the first transition, you could mm-hmm. could have one of those and guys appar- function. And apparently you can recruit Nebraska kids there because the, the backup quarterback is from Wahoo Newman that Frost brought in. So, Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. Poor Tanner Lee. Well, Everywhere he goes, the coaching staff changes, and he's irrelevant. That would irrelevant. suck for Tanner. <laughs> yeah. Happened to Tulane. That, that'd be a rough <laughs> rough scenario for Why'd him. Why'd I get an extra Maybe year? Maybe he could... Does he get a fifth-year... Tra- is that senior transfer or something, maybe? I don't Not know. Bad idea. Um... So, all right, so obviously Scott Frost would be the high on most people's lists. But is it possible that Scott Frost says no? Uh, I, I think I just read today UCF has already started a fundraising campaign to, to raise a several million, million dollars to keep Frost and his assistants happy. Uh, the, the columnist in the Orlando Senators is trying to say, like, why would he leave? You know, Nebraska's not the job it used to be, et cetera. There's going to be jobs out there from Tennessee potentially and others that could be competing for him. There is no way. Would he say no? There is no way UCF keeps him over Nebraska, Tennessee, and you can start to go down the list of of those. Just hard to imagine. That's the one. That's the. If I had to throw a guarantee out there, yeah, he's not just going to stick around the the group of five school um, when he's getting those kind of offers and that kind of potential money or, or whatever would, would come with it. So you think I, either I, way this is last year at UCF? Probably. As long as they keep as long as they keep winning there. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if he and goes if they up, lose their next five or six, yeah. then you know opinions can change. Then he's all yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah. Well and, you know look well, I, I even saw an article today where Oregon State was pitching they should they should try yeah. to steal them away from everybody. Oh, that's which, rid- I saw yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. UCF could keep I mean, that was I wanna UCF that was really funny a uh, boomer. <laughs> well, because I read that article, Boomer, and uh, it, the 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 columnist Canzera had to be just joking with himself because I think he was. He yeah. writes how Frost actually declined to interview for the job when it came open after Riley left. He didn't even want to interview for the job while he was the Oregon OC, and now he's would consider taking it after already being a head coach somewhere else. That makes no sense. No. That guy was just throwing stuff out there so for the I, hell of I'm it. Stir th- in the pot. Why not? I'm going to throw this out. I, I've, I've heard this now from multiple media people that have said that as they've talked with Frost over the years, he has called Nebraska his dream job. Now, unless that has yeah, David said unless that, that has changed, yeah, Mike, Michael Severe said that as well. Unless that has changed, that's usually a pretty hard thing to to get out of a guy's you know past. I yep. mean, I think of baseball and Dave Van Horn and the success he had at Nebraska. I think he'd have stayed at Nebraska no matter who called, unless it was Arkansas. And in that regard, if if Frost has said that, if Frost believes, if he has said in the past that this is his dream job, then yes, absolutely, Nebraska can get him and can get him over anybody. If it is, yeah, I think, I I think it's interesting if you're if you're looking for stability in the program, Frost will give you that because even if he would have a down year or start a little slow, we're going to be more understanding with Scott Frost than almost anyone else, right? Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah. He'll have and, the most leash of any coach since right. probably Bo, I guess. You know. And be, and back yeah, to the actual, fair. what it would take to get him in here would mean that we would have to probably do pretty bad this year, as we are. So he he has a, a he has a a leash given to him before he even starts. You know that sure. that's part of the problem with like Riley c- coming in after a nine and three season, whether you liked Bo or not. It it just stinks coming in after a nine and three season because if you do anything less than that, it automatically feels like it's a it's a step back. Well, if we go right. four and eight, he has a leash. On top of the fact that next year's schedule is tough and all that. Yeah. So let's throw another uh, 
hypothetical out. I, I said that money shouldn't be an object in this scenario, so that should secure Scott Frost if this mm-hmm. is his dream job. But Max saying, well, maybe you know we aren't going to have the, the region sign off on a 4 or $5 million contract, uh, and we get in a bidding war for Scott Frost with Tennessee or school A, B, or C. Uh, is that a scenario where Scott's getting an extra million or two from somewhere else, and he's like, I just can't turn that down? We should well, never the, be in a bidding war. If it, we yeah. should match it. it and it, the, it should just be that, that. That should not be the case. And the cost it, of living in Knoxville is just so out, outlandish. That, <laughs> yeah. Oh That's yeah. Comparison: uh, Tennessee's paying 2016. They paid Butch Jones base salary of 4.1 million. And Riley's so, at 2.9. Right. So you'd probably be looking Tennessee. You'll yeah. probably be throwing money somewhere in that range if if they're interested in Frost. And it's a similar scenario with right. Butch Jones coming from Cincinnati. Uh, he probably didn't start at 4.1. He probably started at 3 million plus or whatever right. and has gone up. Yeah. And the, the one thing I did want to add, though, is I always caution about people saying things are their dream job because, remember, uh, Oregon State was Riley's dream job. Yeah. Yeah, after 14 years, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, well, but true. when he got hired, it yeah. probably was. I'd take four year, 14 years of Scott Frost if you lived up at expectations. The, the thing um, the thing with Nebraska, and what makes Nebraskans worried is that, oh, we're, we're so tough on our coaches. This job, it, it, if you don't do well at it, this is a very tough job to be in. It really yeah. is. And yep. if you do well at it, the the benefits that can come out of it are, are unending. You will have statues and buildings and things named after you. You will go to, you will go to David City, Nebraska, in the middle of February in a snowstorm, and there'll be five thousand people showing up. You know, you know, praising your name. It this is, and and, and you will be loved forever. I mean, think of the Milt Tenepers, think of the the Charlie mm-hmm. McBrides. Those guys were cussed out at times in their career during the tough times. But, but, but when they when they finished, when they were all said and done. I mean, this was a great place. They talk so glowingly about it. This is a great place to coach football. You will have 90,000 people show up every single week, and you'll hear from them when you're not doing well, but you should. We're paying you, whether we're paying you a million or three or five million, you're getting enough money. We better see better stuff than what we're seeing this week. You know, that's just, you that's going to happen anyway. didn't get Frost? Like, let, if, if we got into a sort of a bidding war or whatever you want to call it, I mean, could, what would that say about Nebraska as a program if we couldn't land Scott? It would be very damning. If, it would be. Frost Frost that would hurt. Yeah. Chose an SEC school or whatever and said, you know, I just don't think I can win at Nebraska any longer. I had to take something else. Yeah, that, would mean, that, would, that would be very damning. Oh, can I throw one other thing up? Because we hear a lot of people talk yeah. about that, you know, it's hard to recruit here. We don't have a lot of people, blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, then let's throw one of the advantages. Again, I'm the AD talking to you. You're in a division – of, of the Big Ten, where currently we are out-recruiting everybody else in our division. We're just saying live up to the expectations. Recruit recruit as we can recruit at Nebraska. We know all the challenges, but recruit like don't even improve the recruiting from what we're doing right now. Just keep doing what we're doing right now. You should be winning your division year in and year out. Actually develop those players. Develop those and players. And you should be able to win and, this and, this uh, division every year. Geez, I don't know. How can you develop players? Oh, I don't know. We have this thing called North Stadium and West Stadium. We have the greatest you know, weight rooms, and we have you know, the nutrition programs. And we have, I know other places have them too, but, but we, we have the top of the line everything. And I, and I personally, I've gone to 13 of the, the 14 stadiums in the, the Big Ten. I've been to 10 of the Big 12 ones. 
the the setup that Nebraska has. It's the it's the recruiting advantage that we can give. My gosh, kids, you can get in here and you don't even have to walk outside and you can go from from eating dinner to studying to, to practicing, and and everything in between. You go out to Michigan; it's like three blocks away from their stadium is their practice stuff. These are the kind of things I would be selling coaches on, and those are the things I'd want coaches selling players on. We need to yeah, get the- we need to get past talking about all the tough things at Nebraska. Oh, that we treat our coaches bad. Go look at Tennessee right now and see how they're treating their coaches. Yeah. Give me a Absolutely. break. We're treating I and any and I said it earlier. Whoever was heckling Riley at the end of the game, stop win. it. Don't do that. Treat Riley with respect. He's been good. He's uh, he's been good personally for the program. Treat people with respect. But outside of that, this is a great place to coach. Anybody should yeah, want right to be outside here. of the right guy as a head man. Nebraska's got everything to succeed. All we need is the right head coach to build a staff. Facilities, the infrastructure, the administration, all that stuff is a smooth running machine. Yep. Get the product on the field to the expectation and level of the support it gets because that's all we're talking yeah. about here. We are supporting you to a level that you are not meeting us at. And that's and that and that's the tension. Yep. Right? I mean, the the that's fan base is, is giving enough money, enough support, it, all that stuff to to expect a better product on the field. We are not getting that. So whoever that coach comes in, and if he is the right guy, man, there there shouldn't be a big turnaround. I'm talking even the talent that we have currently. There are players yep. that can play football. We just have to get them out there and do it. I want to see the Nebraska yeah. way. Well, what is that? Let's get physical. <laughs> Let's get physical. Let's get physical. In spring, in spring football, what uh, I can tell that coach right away is, Let's get a little physical out there, and and not yeah. only Olivia Newton John style, man. Let's <laughs> and, do it. And you won't even get the leotards on. You won't even have to wait until August to see ninety thousand people show up and 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 want to see what you're doing because they'll be there in spring, and and this yeah. tough place no, to recruit no to, it. this horribly difficult place in the middle of nowhere to recruit to, bring about twenty kids in here and show them ninety thousand people in, in April. So yeah, yeah. It's like that's, that's, that's why I'd be telling them. I think if. I think you know Frost would bring a very exciting offense too. I mean, you you could save some of this recruiting class with the right hire. Uh, really quick, let's wrap this up here with this last question yep. uh, because then we'll we'll finish off the podcast with our predictions. God, get them it, games in. Outside of Frost, we we have covered that pretty dang well. I think. What other coaches are are a realistic possibility? I, we had Chip Kelly. And Mike Leach on the poll, I don't think Mike Leach is very realistic. I think Chip Kelly is a little bit more realistic, especially if the money's there. Um, who else would potentially be out there? We have one Anybody? guy on Twitter, and, and I, I don't know the guy's name, and I, and I don't know the name of the, the coach, but it's the defensive coordinator at Alabama right now, and he's really been – Oh yeah. in fact, we're getting like 82 tweets from him back and forth about he wants Bama's defensive coordinator. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about him, but sure. <laughs> Okay. I, I just say, given our past experience with trying to move D coordinators up into head coaching slots, I don't know if this is the job to learn to be a head coach. <laughs> we need a, a proven coach, whether it's at least at least a, a high group of five like Frost or a Bob power Stoops, man. Five. I take Bob Stoops. 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 I take Bob Stoops. I take Gary Patterson. Yeah, yeah, Patterson. Patterson. Stoops. Brian Stoops. Kelly is probably available if you're into that. You can probably. What about Pinkle? Should we call up Pinkle? See how his heart's feeling uh. and say, hey. <laughs> GP, <laughs> I have Mangino, man. He knows uh, how to how to recruit a uh, a quarterback away from us. I, I don't know how serious people are about Bob Stoops because they bring his name up and they say it like in a, in a serious way. I guess if he was if he was legitimately a serious contender, like people, 
he he was actually interested sure. in pulling it'd be similar it, or, to the Urban Meyer yeah, scenario if he was where Urban he retires Meyer suddenly back. and comes back. If he was doing that, that would be kind of an elephant in the room kind of guy because it'd be like, um, wow, if Stoops is legitimately available, but. It would change the perception of the program immediately. Yeah. E- even more so than hiring Frost. If you hire a, a big name like that and a proven winner, it would add legitimacy to everything, right? The expectation is you would win with that type of yep. guy. Would you take a Gundy? Would you take like, like if, is he bringing he a bullet with him? I'm yeah. not looking for yeah. gimmicky kind of stuff right now, and I just I guess I feel like that's kind of gimmicky. <laughs> you, think, you think his mullet's gimmicky? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I guess... I think it's, I'm sick and tired of these coaches and their mullets and rat tails. <laughs> I guess I've always thought have dreadlocks next I've always year. Thought that's kind of the Nebraska way. <laughs> that rat is tails and mullets. <laughs> this this state does not. It, it, there's not a lack of them. We're, we're from. It's the Nebraska way, guys. I'm we sorry. We grew up in Columbus, man. We know all about rat tails and mullets. You know. So. My dad didn't never let me grow one. I tried to grow one in, in junior bless high, but, but bless my parents' heart, they sent me to Catholic school and they made me cut my hair. So. Okay, we're, we're going nowhere yeah, fast with yeah. this one. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I think we'll have plenty of time over the next several episodes of the podcast to to think about who could be other hires besides Scott Frost. The Pod Predictions. All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is our Games of the Week. Uh, all right, we usually save Nebraska for the last uh, pick, but we are on bye, so we don't have to worry about picking against the Huskers this week. Uh, but let's, let's start in the Big Ten uh, anyway, guys, with our good friends to the East Iowa uh, heading to Evanston to take on Northwestern. Mac, go ahead. Ask me where this game's at. I assume it's in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, this game's a tricky one to me, but I'm just going to go with Iowa. Iowa. All right, Boomer? Yeah, Iowa. And hockey. My lock of the week, Iowa. Coming out early with the lock of the week. Well, I said I was going to do them every week after, like, week four or something. So, Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm just going to stick with that. It works so well with Wyoming. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm probably going to take Iowa as well. There's actually a – that prompts me to to ask the question of how we did last week. I I think I heard – so, let's see. I went six and four. We don't want to talk about last week. Let's just move on. Uh, Mac, you went six and four. Correct. Honky went five and five. That's correct. Very average. And Boomer went four and six. Oh hush! I was wow. trying to blow a lead open over everybody. So. I, yeah, I, got I remember. I did. I remember I Boomer myself. picking Auburn as his lock of the week and goes clearly Auburn. Clearly, well, I took LSU for what it's worth. So. <laughs> no, clearly, huh? Yeah. How's uh, Wyoming all doing? Right, so yeah. I've reclaimed my lead, uh, but it's very tight, and, uh, except for Honky, who's well in, into the cellar and. Will be desperately picking against <laughs> me the rest of the year to catch. I like it. keeping my distance. <laughs> That's right. Forking <laughs> in the, the background. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, a game that should have been a marquee matchup of ranked teams: Louisville uh, against Florida State. Whoever loses this will have four uh, losses on the year already. Honky, you want to kick off? I'm going FSU at home. They're going to want some revenge after the uh, pummeling they took last year at uh, Papa John's Stadium, I think. That's a good point. Yep. That's a good point. Boomer? Uh, Florida State. Mac? Florida State. I'm also going with Florida State. Uh, they just can't be as bad as that record indicates. Oh, they can't. Right. Uh, <laughs> I guess they could. Uh 
All right, let's uh, let's have fun with this one. The the Knights of Central Florida are visiting uh, Annapolis Navy, the Naval Academy. Scott Frost practicing uh, the triple option. He put put the helmet on today, I believe, and actually ran on the scout team. Guys, what do you think about this, Honky? This will be an interesting one to to see how they defend it, actually, and and at Navy and those those schools are always really hard to prepare for. I'm going to go with UCF, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. They also had Georgia Tech on their schedule. Central Florida did. They, that game got canceled because of the hurricane. So they would have had two option teams to prepare for. So I think they have been practicing against the option uh, all, all, all year, even back into spring. So hmm. uh, I'll, I'll take UCF as well. Boomer? Oh, Boomer. okay, well, I'll go ahead and take UCF. Uh, they're my lock of the week. They'll win this. All right, I like that. Mac? UCF. All right, straight through. All right, let's stay on the East Coast. Uh, Syracuse, hot off the upset of Clemson, heading down to Coral Gables to take on Miami. Boomer? Ah, uh, Miami. Mac? Miami. Honky? Miami. Oh, I figured this is a prime honky taking Syracuse pick. Interesting. It hurt too many times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miami's living been living dangerously here, right? The last couple of games have been very close. Um, hard to believe Syracuse could do that two games in a row. They'll also take Miami. Interesting, though. All right, let's uh, keep our uh, theme of former Husker or uh, conne- uh, coaches with Husker connections Kent State visiting Athens, Ohio. Frank Solich's the f- Fighting Frankies. Mac, who do you got? I'm taking Frank. Let's go. Nice. Boomer. Boomer Harris having some audio difficulties. There we go. Okay, so now we can hear you. Is. Okay, yeah, definitely Ohio. Kent State's garbage. <laughs> yep. But yeah, simple that's what Ohio I, would have been fine, Mike. Hey, I, right. I follow the Mac closely. So. Yeah, you're, you're a Big Mac fan. Yep. Uh, no, no, that's Honky. It's <laughs> a Big Mac fan. Well, uh, different kind of Big Mac. Yeah. Honky, huh. who do you got? Uh, is this is this homecoming for Ohio? I'm sure it is. And the altitude? Uh, it's around 200 feet. <laughs> okay, from. I'm going to go with Kent. <laughs> All right. What? Wow. All right. Nice. All right. I'm going to take Ohio. Um, how about Indiana? Going to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Honky? I'm going with Michigan State. All right. Mac? I'm taking Indiana. This is is my reach. Interesting. All right. Boomer? Uh, Sparty. They got a wake-up call at the end there against Minnesota when they almost blew that game. They'll be a little more prepared. Yeah, I think I'm going to take uh, Sparty as well, and yes. I'm starting to like uh, what they're doing there. I'm going to take Michigan State as my lock. Mm. All right, uh, let's go to Big 12 land. Oklahoma heading to uh, Manhattan to take on Bill Snyder's K-State Wildcats. Mac, you know K-State well. Um, I'm not positive on this one. I'm going to go Oklahoma. I've already done one reach. Fair enough. Boomer? Sooners. 
Honky? Well, I'm reaching, so uh, Kansas State. Atta boy. Kansas State, that's what I expected from you, man. I'll take Oklahoma. Uh, all right, Honky, let's start with you on this one. Uh, Craig Bull, another Husker connection. Oh, uh, man. Wyoming Cowboys going to Boise to take on the Broncos. Who are you taking? Uh, Wyoming has been awful every time I've watched them. And they beat. I think they're. Aren't they four and two? Well, but I only watched their two losses. And <laughs> and they beat Boise last year at home. So Boise's going to be furious about this. Plus, it's on blue turf, oh, yeah. so I'm going with Wyoming. <laughs> uh, all right, Mac, can you counter that? I'm going with the Smurf turf, <laughs> Boise. Boomer? Boise looked good against San Diego State last week. They'll keep going. They did. That's one of the ones that like everybody lost on this. I'm yep. taking Boise State as well. Uh, looking looking like they're returning to their old Mountain West uh champion so was i the only one to take wyoming there yes Ah, just like old aren't you always the only one to take wyoming (laughs) that is correct i am the only one to take wyoming aren't you the only reason that wyoming's ever on the list (laughs) yes (laughs) that's also true probably (laughs) would we ever pick the wyoming games if it wasn't for you (laughs) no no we wouldn't yeah all right so two the two games of the week that are ranked versus ranked uh both night games we have usc uh, heading to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. Boomer? Irish. USC is also living dangerously. So. Ah, intriguing. Brian Keller really turning that thing around. All right. Honky? USC. Mac? I'm going Irish. This is split. This is great. I'm going to take USC as well. I think uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get, get it done there. All right. And uh, game of the week, at least in Big Ten land, uh, Michigan heading to uh, Penn State, Happy Valley. So this is uh, Penn State being second ranked in the country, trying to uh, establish their dominance in the Eastern Division. Hockey? I think Penn State wins this by three to four touchdowns. They they get back wow. Michigan for what they did to them last year in Ann Arbor. I think they've had this game kind of circled for about a year, and Penn State uh, – When's this going away? All right, Mac. Yeah, Penn State for me, that's my lock of the week. Wow. Interesting. Boomer. Uh, I've got Penn State as well. I think it'll be a little closer to my cohorts here. Uh, you know, Penn State struggle with Iowa. West Michigan's got a defense. Good can point. keep them in the game. They just can't score. Michigan's so I got think a very good defense. Penn State's yeah. defense is good. That'll keep it closer than it should, but, yeah, Penn State will end up prevailing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's a pretty pretty fair assessment there, Boomer. So I'm going to go the same route. Close, but Nittany Lions on top. All right, that's good stuff, guys. Uh, all right, let's wrap up. Uh, we got parting shots there, Honky. You usually have one. Yeah, well, I uh, was reading today that Expedia ranked uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln one of the top 15 best and most beautiful colleges in all of America. which is Who wouldn't want to coach there? <laughs> and and this is Very just timely. for you know any student, not just not just for the athletes. So it is one of the most beautiful colleges, right. and it was amazing to see the schools, the, the the variety of the other schools from coast to coast and mountains and everything to to have uh, the the school on the prairie. Kind of high. Well, it's it wasn't fifteen; it was just one of the top fifteen. They didn't rank them within that. So, 
But oh, I but, see. Uh, could have been number one there, McGuire. So all you, all you Redcasters out there looking to go to school, or if you have kids that are going to school, Lincoln is it for you. Send them there, and also Follow our high school listeners. <laughs> And on top of that, my other point is, and this is just a follow-up on all the AD stuff that we've been talking about and coaching stuff, whatever happens, let's believe in this administration and let's support what goes on. This is an ongoing theme for us. Let's blindly believe in everything they do. I like it, Honky. Husker Nation (laughs) needs to unify, and and let's start to to unify around uh, Athletic Director Moose and uh, whatever changes happen. Unify around the coach that leads us to victory. That's right. That's what's going to happen. That's right. Boomer. Do we all have to have two hot takes, Dave, or is it just Honky? Actually, I'm going to skip mine now because Honky okay. took took mine. These guys so. got ears. Mine were both okay. really hot, though. They, they were scorching. So, but I would just like to remind Redcasters that uh, these are new AD. Yeah, they are. So parting shots too. So. <laughs> I'd like to remind the Redcasters that our new AD Moose has experimented with expanded beer and liquor sales at the stadium. So even if things are going south in 2018, hey, we may be all right. That's true. <laughs> Mac, anything? Yeah, just a reminder to the Redcasters that these uh, the end of the season might be a little rough. Uh, we got to buckle up a little bit here. It could it could be ugly a couple games. Like Honky was saying, kind of try to stay positive out there. Nobody's out there wanting to lose games, so uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we turn it around and win a couple games we're not supposed to. Still fire Riley, and everybody will be happy. You know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst way to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could at least try to get to six and six, right? All right, Redcasters. Thanks for listening. Uh, I think it was very therapeutic on our parts. Hopefully, you got something out of it, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, coming back uh, here in the near future to uh, hopefully break down more uh, Husker success, opposed to failure on the football field, and maybe uh, talk a little bit more about coaching. All right, guys, let's call that a uh, Redcast. Go Big Red. Beat the bye week. Beat the bye week.